0: The scripture lesson for this Lord's Day is Paul's letter to the Romans, chapter one, verses one through 17. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the holy scriptures. The gospel concerning his son, who was descended from David according to the flesh and was declared to be son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by resurrection from the dead. Jesus Christ, our Lord, through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith among all the Gentiles for the sake of his name, including yourselves who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. To all God's beloved in Rome who are called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith is proclaimed throughout the world for God whom I serve with my spirit by announcing the gospel of his Son is my witness that, without ceasing, I remember you always in my prayers, asking that, by God's will, I may somehow at last succeed in coming to you. For I am longing to see you so that I may share with you some spiritual gift to strengthen you, or rather, so that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. I want you to know brothers and sisters that I have often intended to come to you but thus far have been prevented in order that I may reap some harvest among you as I have among the rest of the Gentiles. I am a debtor both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to the wise and to the foolish. Hence my eagerness to proclaim the gospel to you also who are in Rome. For I am not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God for salvation to everyone who has faith, to the Jew first and also to the Greek, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed through faith for faith. As it is written, the one who is righteous will live by faith. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Thank you, Ken. Let us pray. Oh, holy God, by your grace and mercy, continue to send your Holy Spirit upon us. Continue to speak your word to us of love and truth and invitation, for we need you, God. We are in need amidst all the voices that are shouting for us, all the noises in this world. We are in need, oh God, of hearing your voice anew and in a ways that will claim us and grab us and bless us. And so to that end we pray this with faith and anticipation in jesus name amen the author kevin young tells him that an experience he once had witnessing the special olympics 400-yard dash the runners were being helped to their marks a gentleman in a three-piece suit jumped up in the stands in front of the other fans and began yelling, Lenny, Lenny. Down on the track, amidst the competitors, an overweight, middle-aged man with Down syndrome looked up in the direction of his voice. The gun sounded and the runners leaped forward, all except Lenny, who was dead last and losing ground. He had a preoccupation with his hands, which he wrung furiously as he tried to make his way around the track. Pointing to him, the gentleman in the stands addressed his section of the crowds. That's my son, Lenny. Isn't he doing great? When Lenny reached the last turn on the track, the other runners had already finished. The gentleman continued to shout encouragement to his son, throwing his fists in the air in triumphant gesture. Great job, Lenny. Way to go, son. Keep going. You're doing great. He turned to the other viewers in the stands around him, reminding him that his son was about to finish. The group applauded dutifully, not quite sure what to do. And when Lenny crossed the finish line, the man made his way down to the track and hugged his son, who was exhausted, perspiring, and still wringing his hands. As the author finishes telling the story, he writes, While I watched them embrace, I began to weep. As I thought about what I saw, it seemed as though God was saying to me, you're like Lenny in this race that I have called you to. You're challenged, you're perplexed, you're sometimes behind the pack. Most days, you're a pile of exhaustion. But I'm here cheering you on. I love you the way that father loves his son. What a great story. and What a great reminder of God's unconditional love for us. And what a blessing it is, a blessing beyond measure, when we love and encourage one another in the same way that God loves and encourages us. Do you receive that? kind of encouragement in your life? Do you extend that kind of encouragement to others? It's a question that I invite us to ponder together this morning. I wonder if you saw the column in last Sunday's New York Times, written by US Surgeon General Vivek Murthy, entitled, We Have Become a Lonely Nation. Did you see that? He says our nation is in the midst of a pandemic of isolation and loneliness. He wrote about a patient of his who had worked for years in the food industry with a modest salary and a humble lifestyle. And then he won the lottery overnight. His life changed. He quit his job. He moved into a large house in a gated community. Yet as he sat across from his doctor, he sadly declared winning the lottery was one of the worst things that ever happened to me. Wealthy but alone, this vivacious social man no longer knew his neighbors and had lost touch with his former co-workers. He was developing high blood pressure and diabetes. Murthy writes, at any moment, about one out of every two Americans is experiencing measurable levels of loneliness. Just let that sink in. One out of two of us. If we're representative of that sample this morning, we're experiencing loneliness. This includes introverts and extroverts, rich and poor, younger and older. Sometimes loneliness is set off by the loss of a loved one or a job, a move to a new city, a a health or financial difficulty, or a a once-in-a-century pandemic. Other times, it's hard to know how it arose, but it's there. One thing is clear, he says, nearly everyone experiences it at some point. Its invisibility is part of what makes it so insidious his research and his own experiences with loneliness and isolation make it clear how much we need each other. It's how God created us, how God hardwired us with the foundational need of being in relationship with one another. We need each other's love and friendship in our lives. We need each other's companionship, and we need each other's Encouragement. This morning's scripture that Ken read is a pastoral letter that the Apostle Paul writes to the church in Rome. It's kind of like the emails that Maureen or I write to you each Friday without the links to the website, without the slides of upcoming events. Yet just like the letters that we write, it includes words of faith, and of encouragement. Paul is celebrating the bonds of faith and friendship that went deep between him and those brothers and sisters in Christ in Rome to whom he is writing. Note all the specific ways he does that. He says, grace to you and peace from God. I thank my God for all of you. Your faith is proclaimed throughout all the world. I am longing to see you so that I may share with you some spiritual gift that will strengthen you and so that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. He's saying, I can't wait to see you so that I can encourage you in your journey of faith. And please never forget how much your witness to the gospel, your lives. Your friendship encourages me in my faith. I'm longing to see you so that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. And so friends, what I wonder is, how are you doing being an encourager? How are you doing cheering others on? whether in their life of faith or some other dimension of their life. How are you doing Letters, letting others know of the gratitude that you feel that they are in your life? How are you doing extending strength and blessing to others? I heard the story of a wealthy woman who was greatly concerned about her son and she came to a respected therapist for advice she had hoped that her son would assume the family business following her husband's death but when the son came of age she refused to assume that responsibility and chose to enter an entirely different field she thought the therapist could help her son discover that he was committing a grave error that was what was motivating her The doctor agreed to see him. He probed into the reasons for his decision. The son explained, I would have loved to have taken over the family business, but you don't understand the relationship that I had with my father. He was a driven man who came up the hard way. His objective was to teach me self-reliance, but he made a drastic mistake. He tried to teach me that principle in a negative way. He tried to, He thought that the best way to teach me self-reliance was to never encourage or praise me. He wanted me to be tough and to be independent. Each day we played catch football in the yard. The object was for me to catch the ball 10 straight times. I would catch the ball eight or nine times, but always on that 10th, throw. He would do everything possible to make me miss it. He would throw it on the ground or over my head, but always so I had no chance of catching it. The young man paused for a moment and then said, he never let me catch that 10th ball. Never. And I guess that's why I have to get away from his business. I want to catch that 10th ball. The young man grew up feeling he could never measure up, never be perfect enough to please his father. And I wonder how many of us with a parent, a spouse, an employer or some other person of importance in our lives feel the same. We are so often quick to judge, so comfortable to make conclusions about other people Their gifts or lack of giftedness, their motives, the size of their heart, were so fast to make decisions about who is worthy and who is not worthy. Yet there is so much that our eyes do not see, and this side of heaven never will. As the theologian Karl Barth put it, the dividing line is hidden from us. So friends, I wonder what our lives would look like if we criticized less and encouraged more. I wonder how that might impact our families, our marriages, the places where we go to work or school. I wonder what our church would look like, and we are already a church where love flows and grace is But I wonder what our church would look like if even here we criticized less. encouraged one another more. I think of that gospel story where the group of four men come and carry their paralyzed friend on a stretcher to get to Jesus. The crowds are so great at the door they can't make their way through. They climb onto the top of the roof and they pull the thatching or the tiles aside and through ropes of some sort that they have, they lower him right in so that he might see them and that Jesus might bless him and help him to walk again. I think of the book of Ecclesiastes where it is written, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up the other, but woe to the one who is alone and does not have another to help. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. What would our lives look like What would our world look like if we criticized less and encouraged more? Might God be calling you to affirm someone who is doubting who they are? Might God be calling you to encourage someone who's given up hope? Might God be calling you to love someone who is under the mistaken impression that they are unworthy of being loved? You might remember the story of the woman who opened her front door one morning to get the newspaper and was surprised to see a strange little dog sitting there with a newspaper in her mouth. Delighted with this unexpected delivery service, she fed this dog some treats, affirmed her, hugged her, The following morning, she was horrified to see the same dog sitting at her front door, wagging her tail, surrounded by eight newspapers. (laughs) And She spent the rest of that day returning the papers to their owners. It's amazing the power, the impact that our words and actions can have, even on a dog, in an even more profound and lasting way with one another and so this week I invite you to engage in an experiment do not criticize anyone and see how it goes your spouse your children other members of your family your co-workers politicians you do not agree with less than optimally skilled drivers you encounter on the road do not criticize and instead encourage. Take just one week and do that, and I make you this promise. It will change you, and it just might change someone else. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen.